This episode of No Bad Food is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Are you a producer of artisan food or drinks looking to get your name out there? Look no further. Whiskey Lane's team of social media, branding, and marketing experts is here to help. They'll take care of all that stuff for you so that you can focus on doing what you do best, making awesome products for your customers. Here at No Bad Food, we know that buying locally made products goes a long way toward making our world more sustainable, and that's why we're proud to be sponsored by Whiskey Lane. So, what are you waiting for? Grab your nearest artisan cheese or homebrewed IPA and run to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And remember, that's whiskey the Canadian way. Without any. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind. We'll take it slow this time. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Today, we're talking all about okra. But before we dig in, I'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, I think it's important that we remember when the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. Uh, this episode, obviously, is coming out on uh, Canadian Thanksgiving, a day that I uh, refuse to acknowledge as an actual holiday because it is a holiday that celebrates genocide in its plainest forms, and I don't vibe with that. Uh, If you are looking for something better to celebrate today, how about just celebrating the fact that it's a Monday? A Monday that you have off work, at least. So I guess there's that. But yeah, I uh, look... I have not been quiet about the way that I feel about our country's colonialist history. Uh, I'm not going to be quiet about the way that I feel about it. It sucks, and I'm really pissed that our government continues to talk a big game about reparations and do absolutely nothing about it. Um, So, I mean, if you're mad like I am, call your local representatives, yell at them today if you've got the energy for that. If you don't... I don't know, retweet some graphics or something. I'm feeling really cynical today, if you can't tell. It's because I'm very tired. (laughs) physically and emotionally tired of living where I live and of dealing with the things that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. But that being said, this is a show about joy and about the joy that food brings us and the ways that it can enlighten us to the cultures around us and to help us to celebrate things that make us unique and the things that bring us joy culinarily. Uh, And so I am going to put away my grouchy cynic hat that I feel I need to wear on Thanksgiving and instead put on my happy food eating hat because the food we are talking today is one that brings me a lot of joy and also brings my guest for today's episode a lot of joy. 
So this week's show is all about okra, a topic that was requested by one of our listeners, Anna, who donated to our Indiegogo campaign last year. Thank you for that, Anna, and I hope that what we bring to the table today does it justice. Now, okra, known in a lot of places as ladies' fingers, okro, or gumbo, is an edible plant that's part of the mallow family. That means that its closest relatives are things like cotton, cacao, and durian, uh, only one of which I want to eat. Uh, okra, however, is delicious. Uh, it grows best in warm climates, like in uh, Western Africa, South Asia, the Middle East, and some parts of the southern United States. It's delicious, but it also has kind of a controversial texture. It's kind of slimy. Um, Caddy and I are going to get into that in great detail in a little bit. Um, so okra is a bit of an acquired taste. Now, I first acquired the taste for it earlier this year when I first ate it. I admittedly had never experienced okra before 2021. Maybe 2020. I don't actually remember exactly what part of the calendar year it fell in, but it was certainly, you know, within the past 12 months. I love okra. Um, but I can see how it would be kind of tough texturally for some people. I find it tough texturally when I'm preparing it, but not when I'm eating it. But that's because I have less issues with uh, texture in the food when it's in my mouth than I do with kind of tactile things on my hands. So, you know, that's that's me. Maybe you might have more trouble with texture in your mouth than I do. <laughs> but that's where I'm at. Uh, anyway, in spite of the slimy texture that comes along with okra, it's a really important part of a lot of cultures' cuisines. It's used as a thickener for soups and stews. Uh, it's packed with vitamins and nutrients, and everybody who eats it on a regular basis loves it and has strong feelings about it. So it feels really appropriate to talk about it on a show about how there is no such thing as bad food, because some people really don't like textural things with their food, and I get that. I, I really do. But that doesn't mean that that thing is bad. It just means that it's maybe not for you if you're not someone who can handle texture. But you know what? I'm going to leave you with a little bit of a challenge today, because uh, I think that food is always worth exploring and if you've never tried okra before let this be your opportunity your your challenge to yourself your challenge from me to you rather to give it a try if you've never had it before and you're feeling brave about texture i would recommend trying them deep fried <laughs> you can batter them and fry them uh it gives it a little crunch but then you still get the sort of slime of it inside a little bit um but not dramatically honestly it's really i feel like the slime gets played up now i won't lie what it does to your cutting board is a crime <laughs> but but once it's cooked and when you're eating it it's not that slimy you know um but if you're hesitant about the slime thing and you want to have it in a sort of like really non-slimy form most of the time if it's stewed or or you know put into something kind of in a in a cooking situation where it's a little bit more of a thickener but you still get a little bit of the taste of it uh the slime is not as obvious because it kind of incorporates into the rest of the broth sauce whatever you want to call the the remainder of the meal um so i would recommend maybe calling up your local restaurant that serves it and ordering it uh, i know that you know if you live in my neighborhood of ndg uh, there's a great restaurant called bombay mahal that i think there may be a couple of locations of in montreal actually so that's worth looking into they have a very very good kind of stewed okra that's like spicy and tomatoey and delicious the slime factor in that is more or less non-existent the spice factor however uh if you don't handle heat well this is also going to be tricky for you look what i'm saying is give okra a chance uh you will not regret it it's very very tasty uh and even if you end up not liking it it's worth trying everything at least once, right? That is that is something that I think I would like everybody who listens to this show to take away as a core message, as a core belief, as something to try and incorporate into your life is that every food is worth trying at least once. Do it. 
try the okra. It's very tasty. I'm going to stop rambling now, and I'm going to throw it over to me from two days ago talking to my wonderful guest, Caddy Diop. All right, my guest on this week's episode of No Bad Food is Caddy Diop. Caddy is one of the co-hosts of the Yeah Podcast, a young adult lit review show here on the Upford Network. Caddy is also a teacher and the equity, diversity, and accessibility coordinator at Bad Dog Theater and is a sex educator in her free time. Caddy, thank you so much for joining me this week. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm very excited to talk about food. Yeah. Just to kind of contextualize yourself a little bit in terms of food for us, because obviously, you know, food show, talking food, people who have clicked on this episode know that this episode is nominally going to be about okra, but it's also about you. And in order to kind of talk about you, I want to know about you. So let's talk about you in terms of food, the food you ate growing up, the food you eat now, paint us a broad picture. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, So uh, like uh, many people who have uh, mouth holes and uh, tongues, uh, I eat to sustain myself, um, but food is also a massive pleasure for me and it always have been, it always has been rather. Um, I come from, so my parents are African immigrants, um, my mom from Guinea, my dad from Senegal, so uh, that's always played a very big role uh, in my uh, eating habits, uh, which will obviously tie into okra. Um, and we ate a lot of, uh, because my parents did their studies in Europe, uh, and uh, my mom in Egypt, and she spent some time in the Middle East in the 60s and 70s. A lot of that kind of food. Um, so a lot of very fresh food. I grew up eating, you know, not just whole wheat bread, but the integral bread mm-hmm. with seeds, mm-hmm. where like you eat a slice and you're you're weighed down for a few hours. <laughs> um, everything cooked from scratch, including you know pastries and things like that. Food really is at the center of my familial relationship. So that. with my, my my parents, my siblings, uh, and other people who have joined my family uh, since, uh, food is at the center. We are very big uh, reception people. Um, so uh, if you've ever been received by an African family, uh, we put on a show. <laughs> it's pretty impressive how like you can turn a family of like six people into a fully functioning like catering service. (laughs) I love that. So I learned how to cook very young as well, which was really important to my parents. And uh, it's where I definitely found my role also as part of my family. I was the person who loved to cook and I was very... very attentive to details in my in my my cooking habits. My dad and I played a very. Uh, I think my dad uh, may have also wanted a bloodhound. Um, so we used to play a game when I was about like between the ages of about eight and twelve, where when he would be cooking when I came home from school, he would ask me to stop in the entranceway and tell me what was on the stove. Oh, cool! Or what was in the oven and to name ingredients. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, so I've developed a nose, uh, (laughs) an interesting nose. I love that so much. That's so cool. Yeah, so, um, and today, I guess life happened, um, and uh, like most folks assigned female at birth, I uh, struggled with body image stuff and uh, developed an eating disorder and have been working on recovery because I don't think that, like, I wish 
there were times where I wished that maybe food was like, um, you know, alcohol or other substances where you can cut it out entirely from your life. Um, unfortunately, that's not the case. I still need to find a way to balance, and uh, so I have a bit of a a bit of a harm reduction approach to food now. Sure. <laughs> um, I guess uh, so. No foods are off limits. Uh, I try to eat things that bring me joy, mm-hmm. and that generally means really flavorful foods, mm-hmm. uh, whether they are greasy or not at all. And I still cook. A ton. Uh, I am an omnivore uh, in a relationship with a gluten-free vegetarian, okay, uh, so okay. that stretched my <laughs> skills quite a bit. Um, big soup nerd as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much a fan of like I love sharing food. It's food truly is my love language. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. I uh, I really love the picture of like <laughs> I mean that that anecdote about your dad you know, stopping you in the doorway every day and asking you what's on the stove, I think is so beautiful. Like, I think, I think getting kids involved in some way in the food is such a cool thing. And when you can find like ways to kind of train that, train that skill almost, that's very cool. I've never thought about doing that, but I love that idea a lot. Yeah. I think I was a kid who was always interested Mm -hmm. and I liked telling my parents if they were trying a new recipe or bringing in a a new food into the household, I liked, I liked giving my opinion. I mean, it is one of my favorite things in the world. (laughs) Giving your opinion or food? (laughs) Give it both, uh, but mainly giving my opinion. So it was kind of nice to be able to um, have my parents develop that with mm-hmm. me and 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 find ways to make it exciting and uh, I would consider myself probably a great food Olympian I love that <laughs> um, out of curiosity so I am taking a food and religion course this semester uh, it's been really cool really fascinating uh, not at all making me wonder if maybe I picked the wrong major but, <laughs> 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 and uh, I mean the, the part of it that I find really fascinating is I think mostly that it is the first real food studies course that I've taken Taken. And, you know, it is very much taught from like, yes, religion is a part of it. But in order to look at religion and food together, we really are looking at families, right? We're looking at families and we're looking at cultures and we're looking at like how a family unit from any given culture approaches mealtimes and approaches celebratory meals. Um, and I know you mentioned that your is it your dad who's from Senegal? Yeah. So I, in a reading that we had this week, we were reading about the Yoruba people from Senegal uh, or from Senegambia, you know, a lot of Western Africa borders yes. being what they are, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, this idea of like food being so, so central to that culture. Is that a culture that you have any tie to? No, my okay. dad was uh, my dad was Wolof, um, okay. which is the the main group in Sen- uh, the main uh, cultural group in Senegal. Sure, yeah. Um, so he came from really a tradition of uh, people of the sea. Okay. Um, so the majority of traditional uh, Senegalese meals are fish based. Okay. And uh, fish based and rice based. Uh, you know, as as some of your listeners may know, I have a very soft spot for rice. Of course, who doesn't? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, I love rice. Uh, So yeah, so Senegalese food, I would say like the the best description of it is like rice always. Sure. Um, Very starch forward, lots of cassava. and then a good, uh, uh, like, I mean, fishing, yes, so lots of fish, but 
lots of fried foods, mm -hmm. lots of like lots of um, red palm oil sure. being used, uh, lots of vegetables as well. Easy to harvest vegetables that do well in in, in very hot sandy climates, mm -hmm. so lots of, lots of carrot, uh, carrots, cabbage, things like that, sure. um, but all put together, and I think that that's what I like. Mm. The Senegalese side of me, so in Senegal there's a principle called Taranga, okay. yeah. which is, uh, it's the Senegalese spirit, it's how we welcome you, right. and it really is about making uh, mealtime very joyful and welcoming folks, about making them feel at home, mm -hmm. and uh, that's something that I love about uh, about my culture and about the fact that it was so well embodied uh, throughout my, my, my childhood yeah. at home. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. I, I feel like there is possibly in a lot of Western cultures, or at the very least in all of the ones that I have happened to have had readings about, uh, this this kind of shared ideal or value of welcoming and of generosity when it comes to food. Uh, this this idea of like, it would be shameful for you to not have prepared extra in case people show up. And when people show up, you welcome them and you bring them in and you feed them. And that is a like beautiful like family thing where it's like the stranger off the street is just as welcome at your table as your brother or sister and I think that that kind of every time that I think about big family meals there's a little bit of me that's like how big is this family really like how how much you know how welcome is that and so like yeah hearing you say like you know it's amazing that you can turn a six-person family into a catering service like yeah that that totally resonates that is something that I think like I have been to family dinners like that where where that is really clearly the sort of like spirit and the energy and the value around food and I love that yeah it's really nice I think food is even if it's very modest can still be so impactful mm -hmm. on your day, on on just your mood, on your <laughs> on the capacity for your soul to keep <laughs> moving forward. I guess. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's the that's the important part, and that's the funny thing. I, I mean, growing up, folks wondering what African food was, and you know, sure. hearing all the the terrible jokes that come along with that, and. And then f having people realize, oh, wait, it's actually, it's not just like, yes, the food is good, uh, let's be honest. Poor people food around the world Oof. is the best food. Truly, uh, truly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so, so it's really nice for folks to have been like, oh, whoa, like when people come over for dinner at my house, like, I just do whatever and my parents take care of it and like oh in your family everyone's taking everyone's mm -hmm. doing the dishes everyone's right. serving everyone's doing stuff so so that was pretty nice yeah totally well and, and I think that the thing that that has struck me is like we don't get that that often in like North America and in like Western you know air quotes Western developed countries or whatever like and I think that what that actually is is that we don't get that in capitalist societies because capitalism doesn't want us to share. Capitalism doesn't want us to distribute the excess in a way that works, right? Under capitalism, if you are rich, you get excess and you get to enjoy things. And if you're poor, you're supposed to, you know, scrounge and have whatever. But in any other kind of country, in any other part of the world, the, the focus is on taking care of each other and on treating each other well. And so whether you're rich or poor, that, that I mean, probably there's still some corrupt rich people, let's be real. But like, for the most part, no matter what, like your, your level of poverty is not going to stop you from sharing and from the excess becoming a communal thing in the community at large. And like, 
yeah, it's so it's so nice to know that that exists somewhere, and it's so frustrating to live somewhere where it doesn't. I actually, I would I would say that it does exist here. I think it's more present in like we see it in in smaller more marginalized communities sure. like even in the queer community mm-hmm. in Montreal like the number of um, like queer spoon share groups and people not being afraid of saying like hey I have like a bunch of veggies that are like maybe a little wilted does someone want them this desire to to share it's because we know what it's like to need help right oftentimes so you know like a lot of people in the black community listen a cookout is important (laughs) and it's just it's it's an all-black community it's like we're just we're getting together there's meat on a fire and we're gonna tell stories and and those things are super important and like if you look indigenous communities uh, circles of women uh, all of these communities tend to support each other because we don't get as much of the mainstream right. access to support and because there's so much judgment that comes with maybe uh, or an impression of judgment that comes with using a food bank or uh, needing social assistance or right. things like that so and that's what I, I think I love about food is is the fact that you can talk about food but you're talking about everything in someone's life yeah you know everything in the community everything in our society can be tied you can you can find a tide of food that's it. Um, yeah yeah no that's it I, I think you're right to to point out that like that does exist in kind of like sub communities it's it's more i think i'm more i'm frustrated that it doesn't exist on a systemic level you know yeah you and i both <laughs> <laughs> Hey, 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 it's the mid-roll. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review I get during the month of October, I'll be donating $2 to The Depot, my local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 of donations that they get into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of the show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it and you're not spending any money of your own. There's literally no other way that you can turn $0 into $6 worth of good. So if that math is exciting for you, go do it. You can read all about what The Depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. Um, I'm also going to remind you that uh, if you are leaving a rating and review, (laughs) um, please bear in mind I use they, them pronouns now exclusively. Uh, I went back and took a look at the reviews that exist of the show already, and uh, obviously a lot of them are outdated for other reasons because the show rebranded less than a year ago. But, um, you know, the, the most egregious uh, outdatedness are the ones that use the wrong pronouns for me. So uh, if you've left a review in the past, uh, maybe consider going and updating it. And I'll also count that as a new one because uh, accurate reviews that don't misgender the host of the show are a lot more helpful than ones that uh, do. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, If you're listening from Montreal and you like the idea of buying tasty food cooked for you by a podcaster, look no further. I sell food now. You can go to my Instagram page at Tom's Latini for all the details. But basically, you order, I cook it, you pay me, you pick it up, you eat it, it's tasty. Uh, It ends up being cheaper than Uber Eats kind of 90% of the time because, like, let's face it, Uber Eats is a total scam and they're trying to take a lot of your money for no reason and they don't pay their people well. Um, So, you know, if you want to support me, directly and get some tasty food into you directly this is a great way for you to do it hit me up on instagram at tom's to get all the details supplies are extremely limited because i have a job and a family and am in school but i 
still am doing this. And so, you know, I am taking orders and would be happy to figure something out with you. Lastly, if you haven't had a chance yet to listen to last week's reheated episode where I talked with our food crimes consultant, Giovanni Colantonio, about which cereal box mascots are the hottest, I would highly recommend queuing that up to listen to when you finish with this one. We also dig into the factors at play in making a good cereal and which ones we think hold up best from our childhood. So if that sounds exciting to you, go queue it up and listen to it when you finish up with this episode. Uh, and uh, on that note, that's enough for me. Let's get back to my conversation with Caddy Diop. Okay, so let's get into, I was going to say the meat of the episode, but let's get into the vegetable the, of the episode, the fruit the of the episode. Sli- the slimer of the episode. I'm genuinely not sure if okra is a vegetable or a fruit. I've never thought about this before. It would be a fruit. Would it? It has its seeds inside of its pod. Yeah, that's a fruit, right? That's a fruit. Weird, because I super don't think you should put okra in a fruit salad. Oh, God. <laughs> I, okra flavored ice cream would not... do well i don't know i don't know but okay let's let's talk we're here to celebrate okra let's talk about okra positively because i love okra and i know you do too because otherwise you wouldn't be here talking about it um we so we first talked about doing an okra episode a while ago like i think the last time that i had you on the show we talked about soup and gumbo came up and gumbo is literally like originally a word for okra in i do not remember what language I think in French they call yeah, okra gumbo, <laughs> um, but I'm sure that that is a holdover from uh, from an African language. Pretty certain. Yeah, but so okra, obviously a a green pod like vegetable on a uh, fruit, I guess uh, that kind of looks a little bit like a pepper almost, uh, except different. Um, I have so much trouble describing okra, and it's funny. It looks like, like a it looks like a green finger. Yeah, it literally looks like a green finger with a pointy tip and uh, uh, kind of like the top of an acorn, but all green. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is an extremely unique plant that I don't. I can't think of anything else that is exactly or you know close enough to it to really draw a comparison. Um, mm-hmm. I. So I had not had it before before the past calendar year, we'll say, because I don't remember if it was, you know, pre or post New Year's. Um, and I was so not sure what to expect because I think okra can be polarizing. People either love it or they don't like it at all because it's slimy. Um, but it's also not always slimy. And like, depending on how you prepare it, it might be more slimy or less slimy. And the slime is not always a bad thing. And it can be used, you know, as a thickening agent i guess or or you know fried and eaten whole and so the first time that i tried it i went all in and did the like whole fried chunks of okra Mm. um i did not like the sliminess on my cutting board that was weird (laughs) but the the flavor and the texture after i ate it or while I ate it, I guess, uh, the flavor and texture once it was cooked was phenomenal. And I was so excited about it that I then said, okay, now I have to try it a whole bunch of different other ways. And when I found it on restaurant menus while ordering, I, you know, had to order it because I was like, okay, I'm going to experiment with this as much as I can. And the thing that I found is that in every form that I found it, I enjoyed it so much as long as I didn't have to be the one who chopped it up and prepped it. That is the one part of it that I cannot handle is the the cutting board slime. Mm -hmm. But what is your favorite form of okra? Okay, my favorite form of okra is, um, so this is my comfort food. Um, It is, it is, yeah. 
hardcore my comfort food. I love a bowl of rice sure. with okra that has been boiled until it is just a pile of slime. Sure. Throw that okra in the rice, mash it in there, throw some uh, red palm oil on top, some hot sauce, some lime, and um, Maggi seasoning. Sure. Um, and yeah, that's it. Yeah. If right. I'm feeling really fancy, a can of tuna. Ooh. Um, that <laughs> is fancy. The quintessence of how, like, that's yeah. It, it is my quintessence. It is the cool. my favorite way of having okra, um, because the sweetness, of, like the 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 sweetness of like a jasmine rice or something, mm. can combines with the. Okra has a bit of an iron flavor, kind of like sure. if like you cut yourself and you're like, oh, I'm bleeding a little, like let me lick off this <laughs> drop of blood. Sure. I sound like a vampire. <laughs> um, but okra is actually high in iron as mm -hmm. well. It's very, very good for the for, for the system. Um, so I find that those flavors come together really nicely. Mm -hmm. And then with the, mm, the, 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 the oiliness and the umami of the red palm nut oil mm -hmm. and, and then some salt, lots of salt and lime, it's just, it creates this incredible balance yeah. that's so good. Like that is like, if I am feeling sad, that's what I'm going to make. Sure. That sounds yeah. really nice. I'm trying to imagine like what the, what does the texture end up being like when you've mixed kind of like super boiled slimy okra into rice? What What's the texture there? So basically, uh, so, so the thing about okra that makes it slimy is uh, the seeds, right? right? So um, since it boils down, basically like even the water gets a bit slimy. So mm. you mash up the okra with the rice the slimy the sliminess <laughs> gets between the grains of rice yeah and so in a bite you can still get the individual rice it's just almost like a little easier to swallow <laughs> all right all right i can get behind that yeah, yeah but it's not um it's not like mainly okra with rice it's sure. mainly rice with some okra in it right. so um that's really uh that's really where you get the balance and mm -hmm. you don't get the overkill with the slime sure. i also really like it with uh, uh fonio which is a millet couscous okay um that is uh starting to, to starting to 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 be found in north america which is very exciting um <laughs> what's in that the called same fonio? preparation fonio f-o-n-i-o gluten-free grain i highly recommend it to everyone oh. you can use it in a million different ways that is good to know because i love couscous but tefer can't do gluten fonio is a great replacement it's what we use and like most african well anyways most senegalese and guinean food is gluten-free because hmm. the weather is not great so wheat is not like <laughs> ooh, sure. a little hard to grow um so, so we have a bunch of different alternatives for for our starches. Um, so yeah, fonio with uh, okra is great. Um, I love okra also. Um, so my mom makes a Guinean dish called supukanji, um, which is an okra stew. Okay. And then in it, there can be like 
some crab and some shrimp and like obviously there's a ton of palm oil it's a very greasy dish but my god is it delicious um there could be some meat as well like it's very flavorful um that's a that's maybe a fancier way that i enjoy my okra sure i love that yeah Yeah, i've been finding so like i said before the first time i tried it was deep fried right Mm because i figured you know i know i love fried stuff if i'm trying a new thing and i know that it has controversial textures i'm gonna fry it and see how that goes and uh i loved that but then i was like i I feel like there's more to this right like because when when you deep fry something like let's be real you mostly taste batter so uh, you know um so i ended up which is glorious which is sure sure yeah yeah. let's not be you know let's not don't get me wrong love love deep fried stuff very nice Mm -hmm. But I ended up ordering this like spicy curry okra from uh, mm. from a local Indian place, Yum. and it <laughs> destroyed my butt, but was delicious. It was so good uh, that I ordered it a second time and just ate you know half as much of it, and things were. But okay. here's here's the thing about okra that no one tells you: if you have issues with constipation in life. Okra is your friend. Mm. Uh, if you are someone who <laughs> bloats a lot and like needs relief from like super gassiness or whatever, okra is so good. Yeah, it helps bring things back to a happy medium. Place. Well, it's it's high in fiber, right? Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> so that makes sense, you know, just from a biological level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and it is it's so nice like uh, I I have found that my favorite version of it is when it's stewed with tomatoes. The mm-hmm. the two flavors go really nicely together. I always feel like okra reminds me a little bit of like a like a bell pepper but different in terms of flavor or yes. it like it is simultaneously like if you told me that it was related to peppers, I would believe you. But at the mm. same time, if you told me that it was a kind of pepper, I would be like, no, you're definitely not telling me the truth here. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like a pepper cousin, you know? I love that. It's a cousin of pepper. <laughs> and okra and tomato is just, it's delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the only way that you can make a fruit salad with okra is if it's also yes. a fruit salad with tomato. Yes. And I still and don't want you to call it a fruit salad. That's it. And then serve it on, serve it on some rice and enjoy yeah. that. Um, I, I only tried deep fried okra much later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't realize that okra could not be slimy, sure. uh, which was quite shocking. <laughs> I quite enjoy it. And then I tried it. Pick, I tried okra pickled. Mm, okay. Tom. I, I can, I can see that. fun situation yeah. there. Yeah, it's fun it's a little crispy a little slimy but oh. it, ha- it packs that delicious flavor sure um yeah so that's really mm, yes yeah that sounds great well it's interesting like you know okra is okra is fascinating to look at from a sort of like is it right to say a diaspora context of like Heck yeah the okra diaspora <laughs> where like you know no one in north america knew what okra was pre you know atlantic slave trade that was when it made its way over here and depending on where you are depending on where your people are from the okra that you grew up with might be completely different like my friend kendallin who's been on the show before um lives in texas grew up in Mm -hmm. texas for her you know yes okra is slimy but for her the primary okra is fried you know when she talks about okra she's talking about fried okra and that to me the idea that like 
you know, you had not had fried okra until, you know, some point later in life, like to her, probably that would be unheard of. Right. <laughs> this, mm-hmm. I, you know, like, cause it's such a, it's such a staple there, but then like, yeah, no, for people who actually, you know, have direct ties to where it comes from, it is not fried that often, you know? And I think that that is really, that is a thing that I love about food is when it can just be such a like varied usage that people might not have even thought of doing it that way somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And okra being like that is so neat to me. I've seen recipes where it's charred and used in salad, like the whole pod, not even chopped up. I've seen, I mean, obviously stews and and fried. And I think I've even seen like, and I don't know how I feel about this, but I think I've (laughs) even seen it like pureed, like raw and used in things. And it's like, there's so many different, uh, like, yeah, I I don't, that doesn't sound right to me. I feel like you you gotta cook it, right? You gotta cook yeah. it. You yeah. gotta cook it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was well to me. I uh, I grew okra a couple of years ago oh, cool. on my balcony. That we can was grow a, okra here. We can grow okra here. Wow. Uh, well, um, through uh, colonialism, uh, the Italian community actually they mm. use okra sure. in their cooking. Um, so and and living in a an Italian neighborhood, uh, I was able to find some okra plants mm. uh, at, at our local market, and nice. I was like. All right, I'm going to try. And, uh, you know, it's beautiful flowers when it grows. It's Mm. really interesting to watch grow, honestly. And the yield, if you can plant in the ground, the yield is very, in the ground, it's very high. In a pot, my yield was not amazing. Um, For one plant, I may have gotten like six or eight pods. Um, And I had gotten one of my bosses... uh, a plant as well and in a growing season he had like almost a hundred pods wow and and that's great because okra it keeps so well yeah. you just cut off the tips and throw it in the freezer um yeah so that was that's that's a really nice part of like the okra process as yeah. well is to just like Grow it. No kidding. And see what the flowers are beautiful. They They're like are. beautiful, like yellow and black flowers. Oh, it was it was a very lovely experience for me to to discover those. Yeah. They're they're fascinating flowers too. Like the the shape of the petals is not mm-hmm. like anything mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen. Like it almost looks like a bunch of potato chips arranged in a spiral. It does. I love that. It does. It's a beautiful plant. Um that's very yeah. Cool. And yeah, you can grow that here. Really, Very cool. I, you can I might grow have that to here. pick up one next year. That would be cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Locally grown okra. Now, the important thing for people growing okra mm. or buying fresh okra is to not buy the long ones. Okay. The bigger the okra, the woodier it is. Interesting. Yeah, so okay. what you're looking for with okra is you're looking for like shorter, stubbier. Uh, which I like uh, as a description for things that I enjoy. <laughs> short and stubby is lovely. Um, yeah, you want them short, plump, uh, and you want the tips uh, to be flexible. So you should okay. be able to like sort of fold it and have it come off. If it just snaps off, your okra has overgrown. Okay. So when you're going to cook it, it's really going to have like a much chewier texture. Okay. Uh, you'll still get the slime and 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 its thickening properties and sure. all of that, but uh, it, best to look for teeny tiny okra. Okay, so small okra with bendy tips. Bendy tips. Yes. Interesting. Cool. That yeah. is very good to know. I had not. I hadn't thought about asking for like optimal 
harvesting slash grocery store shopping practices. But that is actually, maybe I should start doing that because that is uh, useful. <laughs> You're I, welcome. Yeah, I've, I've only bought it a handful of times, but I've definitely had the experience of the longer ones being not great. And I wasn't sure if that was just because they were like overripe or something. So that's interesting. Yep. I buy them frozen, honestly. It's okay. like a staple in my sure. in my freezer. Uh, just frozen okra. Nice. My goodness, is it practical? Yeah, no kidding. I feel like I'm so torn on it, but I, I do feel like maybe just everything frozen is actually a little bit more practical in the long run. It just bums me out, but that's true, you know? <laughs> I get it, but you know we we get six months of winter, so let's be kind to ourselves. Like if I'd be all about the freshy fresh if I lived uh, like in a really temperate climate mm -hmm. where growing can happen year round. But the reality is, we do what we can, and I mean like eating okra is definitely not eating local. <laughs> sure, <laughs> unless you eat it off your balcony. Unless you grow it yourself, and and I'm seeing more and more uh, gardeners and and uh, folks at the market who mm. who have fresh okra, which is Ooh. cool, because it's part of the diets of so many people. Yeah, well, that's right? it. I, I know there are also. I mean, obviously, you know, we've we've talked about like how it is a staple in a lot of African cultures, and it's you know in a lot of Indian cuisine. I know uh, Teffer's family have Armenian roots, and they use it. Um, so I would not be surprised if it also has, you know, got its foothold in a lot of like kind of the Middle East and like, obviously, you know, you mentioned Italy, like it, it, it is a fairly widespread thing. So I'm not surprised that it's, uh, becoming more readily available. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think the general rule of thumb is if a black person is cooking okra and offers you some, just say yes. Sure. Just like, even if you're worried about the slime factor, even if you're just, just say yes. Like, I think that stuff is in our DNA. You know, you, you look at like Kalaloo soup and like has its use in, in the Caribbean as well. And it's super interesting. And it's flavors that are so far removed from our quote unquote typical North American flavors. So yeah, you're discovering a new texture, but you're also like, lighting up new areas in your brain mm -hmm. right it's 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 you get to go and discover a new way of doing things and that's really that's really the goal here yeah i love that i think that that is a good rule of thumb for everything is that if somebody cooks you something that is important to them you should try it even if it weirds you out the first time mm -hmm. you know and and honestly like as someone who's new to okra I was like weirded out by the idea of it being slimy at first. Like I said, super don't like what it does to my cutting board, but mm -hmm. it's delicious. And the slime factor in the eating is really not that bad. It's really not that bad. Mm -hmm. And as a thickening agent in a soup, it's quite wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, because it, like, for example, in uh, the stew that I was describing earlier, which mm -hmm. is mainly okra and it's, you know, like it gets into things like for, for, for folks who like stews with like chunks of meat and like, you know, like maybe you're like getting out a little bit of marrow from like maybe a little piece of a shank or something sure. like that. It is the equivalent to that type. Um, now, I also uh, in my family, I have a, one of my siblings is like the biggest okra hater which is very <laughs> funny but like I understand that like sure. I think if you're if it's unexpected if it's an unexpected experience it can be kind of off-putting sure. but otherwise I think uh, going into it well informed you'll be fine yeah <laughs> sweet well yeah. Caddy 
thank you so much for this delightful conversation, for phoning in and sharing about your family and about okra and for, you know, super useful tips about picking the right okra at the store, which I'm going to use from now on because, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, before I let you go, do you have any final words of wisdom or anything that you want to plug so that people can check it out? Uh, final words of wisdom, not so much, maybe not the wisest person these days, but um, <laughs> things to plug, absolutely. Uh, so once a week, uh, Yeah Podcast comes out on uh, all of your good uh, podcast distribution uh, outlets. Um, you can also find me on social media, Katty underscore D, um, on Instagram and Twitter, where I'm not there very often, but I like a lot of things. Um, and otherwise, uh, check out the Bad Dog Theater website. Uh, new classes are being added every couple of months, and uh, it's a great place to do improv. Sweet. You guys are doing online classes still? Online and in person in Toronto. Amazing. Sweet. And I will make sure to include links to all that in the description of the episode for ease of access. Are you one underscore now? You ditched Only the second one. underscore? I'm trying to streamline sure. between platforms. Amazing. Mm. Big change. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Caddy, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Tom. And that brings us to the end of our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening to No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at No Bad Food Pod or at Tom Zalatni. If you like this episode and want to help me make the show even better, you can head to patreon.com slash no bad food pod to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendall, and Carlea, Thomas, George Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Chantal, and David. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show, just like Anna did uh, during our Indiegogo campaign. Thank you again, Anna. I hope that you liked this episode about okra. Uh, if it is exciting for you, the idea of supporting us and getting to request topics for episodes of the show, go to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and make it happen. We also have merch, of course, and you can hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Tee Public. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review of the show on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend maybe a friend who loves okra maybe a friend who's never had okra and needs a little extra encouragement hey that friend if you're listening your friend sent you this as a way of encouraging you to try okra let me double down on that and say that you should it's very tasty you'll enjoy it our theme music is by zach ingles and our cover art is by david flam you can find links for both of them in the description of this episode and last but certainly not least the show is produced and edited by me tom salat and i as part of the upford network you can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com see you next week you understand it just takes a little time it takes a little time I'm Tefra Jemian, the producer and host of the Yeah Podcast, a young adult lit review podcast focusing on amplifying the diverse voices in YA literature. Join us as we dig into the world of young adult books, reviewing new releases, revisiting old classics, and exploring what YA lit can teach us at any age. Discover the world of YA Lit through exclusive author interviews, book reviews, genre smackdowns, and more. The Yeah Podcast, 
available through the Upgrid Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast, helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else.